0: The Canucks have locked down one of their top prospects, and we're gonna chat more about Uh, those prospects. You made that sound way more exciting than it is. My name is Chris Favor, Thomas (laughs) Drantz. This is the Canucks Hour here at Sportsnet 650. The Canucks Hour is brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Being a champion takes foresight. Build your company to win for years to come with fuel-efficient and reliable Kubota skid steers, excavators, and loaders from Avenue Machinery avenue machinery working on the getting their website
1: to the dunbar lumber
0: level right now is what i've heard awesome source another
1: <laughs> gooey website coming from a sportsnet 650 sponsor good to know we got a lot to chat about trance i don't know why gooey is my website standard but that's my website standard. yeah i know i can you can get on dunbar 650 650 is where you can text us on the dunbar lumber text line on please do because we're gonna do ask me anything and ask you anything ask us anything Really? I've seen a couple of questions about Arby's. We will get into that later I've on. I've never had you know, Arby's. So,
0: so, so you,
1: we don't have a lot to get into. You're one of these guys who's like, Arby's is
0: trash. No, Arby's
1: is trash. I've, just I've never, never had it. I've just never had it. Okay. I, I don't, I'm not a hater. Mm-hmm. I just have never eaten it. Do you have, we'll get into this later. Okay. We got some stuff to get to right okay. off the top here. Believe me, I will
0: save that Arby's so, chat for later.
1: So look, let me, let me caption what we're going to do here because it's Faber again on the mic. With, with with me on the Canucks Hour. Yes, sir. And we love having you, by the way. But we have to tap in. You're like Liam Neeson and Taken. You have a very special set of skills, <laughs> right? And, and those skills won't help me if I get kidnapped. But they will help our listeners have a deeper understanding of the prospects in the Canucks system. And so what I thought we'd do, particularly because you and I don't agree on... On prospects, right? You're you're what I call a prospect hugger, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I am closer to the coach that doesn't give your favorite prospect a, uh, a chance, yes, ever, ever, because I don't believe in them. I-, I figured what we could do is go through Vancouver's system. So let's let's go Calder eligible guys. Okay, that'll be our bar, so that we can include guys like William Lockwood, right? And I want to tier it based on. Years that they can make an impact. So, let's start with we'll start with Linus, because that's the news of the day, and then we'll go through and be like, which guys in the Canucks system could make an impact on this NHL roster next season, the season beyond, the season beyond, and we'll sort of tier our expectations for Canucks prospects in that manner. We'll do that in segment one, and then we'll let our listeners text into the 650-650-Dunbar-Lumber 650, 650 text message inbox, <laughs> and ask us ask us anything in the second segment. Sounds, sounds pra- good? Yeah, you got all your practice in this morning on the morning show
0: doing the the Dunbar lumber reads, right? No, I
1: never I never I try I try and avoid saying it because so I I'm an, I have problems sometimes with m- emphasis mm-hmm. and my so my wife is Italian. And um her very Italian family obviously says pasta and I grew up saying pasta. Yeah. Cuz I get, I get this from my Italian co-host okay, all the time. So you say pasta too. Yes, pasta. Pasta. So I always said pasta and then, you know, my, my wife's family all made fun of me, called me a manja cake. So I had to adjust my, my pronunciation of pasta and now I'm a pasta sayer. And when I made the transition, I all of a sudden started slipping up over the word pasta salad. (laughs) <laughs> because salad had the same emphasis as pasta so all of a sudden i'd be like oh will you pass the pasta salad <laughs> and and people would look at me like i was you know had grown a fourth eye or something so um you know in addition to my third eye and and, and that was a very embarrassing moment for me so anyway i relate
0: i feel like riccio would be proud of you yeah. As a pasta. Well,
1: <laughs> learning how to say pasta at the expense of remembering how to say salad. Yeah. Was, we'll work uh, on uh, you saying John Marino next. But I, why, I find it why, interesting. Why
0: can't I say John Marino? Just the way that uh, Riccio says it. I'm making oh, a little Yeah, no, we're, we're not, not doing, doing that. that. No. But what I want to do is like you bring it up. Let's, let's chat about these prospects, what we kind of have for a timeline for them. I think of it as like when you look at MLB prospects, MLB.com does an excellent job of this. It's called the expected year of arrival, right? Which is what we see with players in the NHL. Or in the MLB. We kind of want to do the same thing with the Vancouver Canucks in the NHL. Let's start with the guy who just signed today. Uh, as reported by Rick Dollywell, Linus Carlson signing a two-year entry-level contract with the Vancouver Canucks. No, and, that's, and that's official. official. The, the club has announced it. Okay, perfect. Two-year deal on the entry-level deal for Linus Carlson. He's coming off of being the rookie of the year in the SHL. Ninth in scoring in the SHL. Very impressive for a guy who just jumped into the league. The most impressive part that I look at with Linus Carlson's season is that He was a good scorer in the Allsvenskan, which is the second tier in the Swedish Hockey League ranks. He had to prove himself in the SHL. He had to do that in the Allsvenskan, actually, the year before. So if you watch him, he's proved himself at the Allsvenskan. He's proved himself at the SHL. Now he's going to come over to North America. He's going to have to prove himself once again. Big jump.
1: At the AHL. Big jump. Absolutely is. The SHL ain't what it used to be. (laughs) You know, like, I don't think people realize that Liga and the SHL are not what they used to be. Right? This is not... Ten years ago, a guy who was really good in the SHL might come over and be an NHL player the next year. And the quality of the AHL has accelerated. The quality of the KHL is higher. Um, certainly, the NHL is casting a wider net and, and poaching a wider net of talent. Veterans hang around for, for a lesser length of time. Good players from other leagues come over more quickly. And now we're in this situation where probably the best of those non-KHL European leagues is the NLA, the Swiss League. That's probably the best, the highest quality of comp um, in Europe anyway. So just just a note on that. Now, Linus Carlson's really interesting for me because, first off, Carlson was acquired from the San Jose Sharks for Jonathan Dolan. And... When he was acquired, it was a year after he'd been drafted by the San Jose Sharks. And the year prior, he did not exist on the Canucks draft list. They had zero interest in him. We all know the Dolan story and the development path that he had within the organization. It didn't go well uh, after he was acquired from the Ottawa Senators for Alex Burrows. They they flipped him for Linus Carlson. And under the previous regime, Linus Carlson might as well have been on the moon. Yeah. He was kind of just gathering dust. Like, I don't think there, were, I don't think if you had not had the management change that he would have been signed, to be totally honest with you. I think there's a real chance that he would have been a free agent come June 1st, which was when the Canucks' exclusive negotiating rights to him expired. Now, new management obviously took a different tack, and to Linus Carlson's credit, he's figured out his game. Now, a very unique prospect in a lot of ways there are almost no comps for the way that he has scored considering his age and size uh, in in that league you know, like one of the there's there's two or three comps one of them is Matthias Janmark so there's real comps there but more than that when a player Carlson's age produces the way he did and and it has a rare profile right you like that because that that means there's not a lot of guys this is not a dime a dozen prospect Right, He may never play in the NHL, but he is not a dime-a-dozen prospect. He is an oddball prospect um, with, a, with a relatively high offensive ceiling. And by the way, his uniqueness is not new either. He, ha- he had a rare profile a year ago, too. Um, with Carlson, you're seeing a guy whose, you know, the knocks against him have been his fitness level and his overall athleticism, but there's always been sort of an appreciation or the versatility, the ability to play wing and center, um, for for like he's got some of those savant skills, you know. Uh, not to not to bring up Kyle Wellwood, but like in that kind of you know how Kyle Wellwood was just like a strangely good net front guy, even though he was undersized and like a really good defense. Like there's a certain hockey intelligence to Linus Carlson uh, that he brings and that he's brought reliably, and yet for all of the skill set for all of the production, he typically hasn't been highly regarded. Uh, Even by (laughs) this organization until new management came in, in in part because the fitness level the athleticism has been an issue. Seems to have taken significant strides in that area. That's been key to his SHL breakout. Um, And now now it's really interesting because will he play center? Will he play wing? He's definitely going to be a big piece of the AHL team next year. He should have the skill set to be, at the very least, a, a contributing top nine guy. In the AHL. That's your baseline expectation. Um, you know, with some upside to be even better than that. I, I'll be really curious to see if they trial him at center at development camp. That's sort of the the next big tell for me about where the organization is going to push this development. And I also think it's a big test for an organization that over the years has struggled in particular to develop European talent at the AHL level. Right? Because that's probably where Linus Carlsen is going to spend next season. Uh, if he can to get us back onto the will they help next year subject, if he's able to be an option to play NHL games as like injury relief next season, he will have exceeded the sort of baseline reasonable expectations for him next year. But I certainly think that needs to be the goal. That needs to be his goal this summer. If he can come into camp in really good shape, addressing some sort of one of the big concerns that's lingered around him over over the course of his development, uh, and if he can be productive and reliable in the AHL to the point where he's even on the fringes of consideration to come up as an injury replacement, yeah, I mean, that would be a tremendous first year for Linus Carlson. Very fascinating signing by the Canucks today. I, I, I find it very interesting. I'm very curious to see what he looks like when we get a chance to see him in mid-July. There's been so much discussion about development from the AHL team, obviously, and I think a lot of discussion has been pretty negative
0: about the Utica Comets and the and the Abbotsford Canucks being able to develop prospects over the years. This is an example well, of a not player.
1: Abbotsford yet. We haven't seen enough.
0: Seen a few things this year. Have but, we uh, with Klimovich? Yeah, I think it was kind of an interesting situation with Klimovic.
1: But was Klimovich good enough?
0: I think Klimovic was good enough to play in a fourth line role and at least get the experience of playing playoff games. Yeah, but like, I think that was a
1: mistake the, to not play. But the Marlies scratched Kasperi Kapanen on their first deep playoff run. I mean, it's not, and and no one casts a, a negative eye toward their <laughs> AHL player development, right? Considering Engval and on and on down the list. Not to bring up the Maple Leafs as I want to do, but I'm just, I'm just like as an example. Um, are you better off trying to win a playoff game, or treat that like you can develop? At at certain points, and then at certain points, you owe your team like the opportunity to have its best lineup out there. Was he was he genuinely part of their best lineup in your view?
0: I think going into, I don't think he was one of the top twelve forwards. Okay, I I do think that he was a better option. Doesn't that speak volumes? I think it does, but I don't think he was the. I don't think he was far away from that. I think he was maybe the thirteenth guy that you could have put in there, and I think he was a better option than the defenseman who was on the ice for all of the goals against in the game where you get eliminated from. Fair enough. And I do think that. You know, even Tristan Nielsen, I thought, would have been a better option. I don't want to go down the path too much of the HL. Okay. We'll stick with the prospects here. With Linus Carlson, um, development camp something that we talked about yesterday. It's going to be a really interesting situation for the Vancouver Canucks. Finally getting a development camp. Obviously, the past two seasons has not been able to do that. We talked about some guys, you know, local guys, potentially coming in and showing well. But what I expect from Linus Carlson is he should be the best player at this development camp. Am I wrong to
1: say that? I mean, I'm not exactly sure how wide the net will be. Is Lockwood going to be there? No. Right. Would you think Lockwood's there? I don't think Lockwood or Rathbone's going to be there, I okay. don't think. Okay.
0: I, I'm projecting that. I'm not 100% yeah. sure at this point. So,
1: so if they're not there, then yeah, he should be the best player. Although, whoever they take 15th overall... That's a good point. ...could also be the best player there. So, um, you know, additionally, you're going to have Klimovich there. And you'd hope that Klimovich is certainly in that conversation. Like, you'd hope that a guy you picked second overall is, you know, at least at par with, you know, the the, the SHL player you just signed. That That's my view, anyway. You'd, you'd hope that Klimovic is a contender. Uh, and you'd hope that the guy you picked 15th overall is the standout. So, in contention, probably. It And, you know, the other players that will be
0: in contention for me to watch how they play at this development camp. And I think you can learn a lot from development camp. Like, I learned a lot about a guy that I spoke with today, Connor Lockhart, from watching him skate with NHL players at training camp. I said, wow, this kid has pace to keep up with it. It's unfortunate that he's five foot nine and is going to need to work on being a lot stronger and doing a lot of things that it's going, to be make it, it's going to be a really tough road for him to become a pro at his size, but he could keep up with NHL players. He talked about it when I chatted with him today about learning to, to be able to take face-offs against a guy like Bo Horvat, how big that was for him, how he went into his training camp at the OHL. I just felt so confident. From learning from a role like that. I think you can take away a lot from a camp like this. And for me there's two other players that I think. Because I, I like you said. I don't think we're going to see Lock, uh, Lockwood there. I don't think we're going to see Jack Rathbone there. So this this is kind of opening up the real prospects. The guys who haven't touched the NHL yet. And I look at Linus Carlson. I look at Aiden McDonough. And I look at Archie Baines. I think this is a really interesting spot. For these top prospects in the Vancouver Canucks system. Three of what I believe are going to be you know, top seven prospects for sure in the Canucks prospect pool right now. Arshneet Baines is coming off of being the leading scorer in the WHL. Aiden McDonough is coming off of being a top scorer in the NCAA. This is going to be really interesting to watch these three forwards, how they look just with the speed, the pace, how they handle pucks, how they shoot the puck. Like Development camp is going to tell us a lot about how these prospects should be ranked in our eyes when you look at these Vancouver Canucks prospects and to the point that we wanted to get to, maybe what they look like, For down the road getting to the NHL. We're going to learn a lot from just how they control the puck. How hard their shots are. Because I remember going to rookie camp this year. And you saw Vasily Colson And you said, okay, what's he doing here at this rookie camp with these guys? He is so much better than the rest of these players. You could clearly see it at rookie camp that Pod
1: Colson was at another level. I'm curious if those three are the forwards that stick out compared to everyone else at development camp. Now you do have to be a little bit careful. Because I remember the first time that I saw Quinn Hughes skate live was at a... Canucks. So it was rookie camp before before the his first full training camp with the team opened in 2019 in Victoria. Right. And he stepped on the ice with, you know, Cole Lind and Jonah Gadjevich and, um, you know, Jalen Chatfield, some of those some of those gentlemen. And I remember I was like, OK, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take notes on everything he does and see if I can make an athletic piece out of that. Like, you know, we'll see. And. He was at 25 percent pace. And I was just watching him play and I'm just like, oh, this guy is not turning it on yet. This is not, this is a, this is a sweat for him. This is a midday sweat, getting a little midday sweat in. This is not him competing or showing off what he can do. And it was a quick moment for me where I was like, okay, right. This isn't, this isn't where I'm going to learn a single thing about him. And and to sort of touch on another guy, when we think about what training camp looked like, one of the standouts for me was Daniil Aklimovich. Sure, you know I was like, "Oh my goodness, holy cow!" And then the season that he had in the AHL was what you'd expect from an 18-year-old in the AHL, which is you know nothing to write home about. Not a knock on him; the fact that he hung in that league at all is incredible. But you know, certainly, I'd say my impression of him after training camp was like, "Look, NHL-ready body." You know, this isn't this is uh, this guy's individual skill in these scrimmages. Blows me away, and then ultimately I don't know that that translated. And and similarly, because I, I felt the same way about Lockhart, who who you know going into last season I thought was a really smart bet for the Canucks yeah. because he'd missed that whole campaign. He was a high pedigree guy in his priority selection year, but he didn't have the type of OHL season at, in his draft plus one year that has me thinking he's got you know the type of ceiling to be an offensive player at the NHL at this point, right? Like at this point, if, if he's going to carve out a lengthy career, it's almost assuredly going to be as more of a Tyler Mott, Chad LaRose. When I talked to
0: him today, he brought up Brandon
1: Gallagher. That's the type of player that he wants to get to. Sure. But Brandon Brandon Gallagher is a top line scorer who, who absolutely just, he's a WHL franchise's all time scoring leader.
0: Yeah. Like you no know, but the player no... player type, right? The player type of what he has to be to be a smaller player and get to pro hockey. In terms
1: of the competitiveness mm-hmm. and the and you know, Brendan Gallagher has never done the wrong thing once in in his entire career <laughs> on a on an ice sheet. It's incredible. One of the smartest guys in the league. But, you know, as context, right? In his draft plus one season, he had forty four goals, forty seven assists, and ninety one points in sixty six games. How good was that Giants
0: team, though? And how bad was that Erie Otters team that he just played on? Yeah, this past year?
1: I mean, sure, but it wasn't like a you know stone cold stunner uh, Giants team. They were five hundred. Okay, like they weren't yeah. a great team. Yeah. That was not; those were not the Vancouver Giants sure. heydays. And I'm not comparing
0: him to brand to Brendan Gallagher. No, I'm saying that's the goal for him. Sure. I, the other interesting thing, I'm by just the saying
1: way, that's that's a ceiling too far for me based on his production. Like, if you're going to be Brendan yeah. Gallagher, you're a hundred point player in your draft plus one year. Lockhart was a sub. One point per game player, yeah. right, in, in his draft plus one year. So that sort of changes where his projection is. Now, let's get back on track a little bit because... First, I got to let people know, this is the Canucks hour. Thomas Drance, Chris
0: we're filling in for Jamie Dodd. Uh, and you can get in contact with us on the Dunbar Lumber text line, 650 Best website in the business, dunbarlumber.ca. All
1: right. So guys we think in the Canucks system who could make an impact this year, right? Lockwood and Rathbone are obviously at the top of the list, right? Do you have anyone else who you would tier as expected to make an impact on the nhl roster this season maybe di pietro in the event of injury
0: yeah i think di pietro's the guy maybe like you know i'm still curious to see if they bring in another spencer martin type even oh, to play i, out I, I would assume Apples they do it. um i don't see anybody on the AHL roster that is ready to make the jump to the nhl next year aside from lockwood um, do you think lockwood
1: Rathamon? do you think lockwood's ready to compete for an everyday spot out of camp
0: I think he is absolutely ready to compete for it at camp. I'm curious to see how he can do it for a full season. I think there's there's always been a worry about Will Lockwood, about the him durability. being too aggressive, going into too many things. Like I, I he remember does see, get hit. And seeing him fight this year and, and had that be the thing that injured his shoulder for a while again, the same shoulder that he's had injury problems with in the past because he got slammed to the ice fighting a guy who's 5 inches taller than him and 50 pounds heavier than him. Those type of things, like it's great to see Will Lockwood be so aggressive. But I'm sorry we didn't see Tyler Mott fighting guys that are six four no and I think that's a business decision
1: as a hockey player to it's maybe not do that. decision it has to be it has to be because you know the thing you love about Lockwood is whether his body can hold up or not is the big question but you know he's gonna empty the tank just to, to reach his potential yeah uh, so so how do you how do you tell a guy to cool it exactly when that's their calling card right uh, Rathbone let's talk Rathbone really quick you've got Dermot You've got OEL. You've got Quinn Hughes. Where does Rathbone fit? Does he?
0: I mean, it's going to be tough. Like, you look at it, and you look at a left-shot defenseman playing 12 minutes a night for you, and potentially, potentially being on your second power play unit if you have two defensemen. I think he has that over Dermot because I don't think Dermot's getting an argument to play on the second power play unit as a shot option if you're going with two defensemen. Like, Tyler Myers takes that spot over him. But I do think Rathbone takes that spot over Tyler Myers if you're actually looking at what you can get the most out of from your defenseman. But 12 minutes a night at 5-on-5, unfortunately, I think Dermott's going to be a guy who gets that role out of training camp. Unless Jack Rathbone has taken a massive step in development through this offseason. And I'm sure he's going to work hard. He's going to work his ass off this offseason as a prospect in his situation will do. But it is tough. Like There is a logjam there on the left side of defense. And you bring it up. Like You have... You don't think OEL's coming out of the top four. You know Quinn Hughes isn't coming out of the top four. And then you bring in a Travis Dermott. He's good. Like, Rathbone is really good. He's a really good AHL player. He's probably one of the best defensemen you can watch play in the AHL. He makes some of the best decisions. He has a good shot. He skates like the wind in the AHL.
1: And in the NHL, too. He's a plus skater the moment he steps on an NHL sheet.
0: And I think last year his NHL experience was so bad for his confidence where you're on the ice and you have a sub two percent on ice shooting percentage Bucks just aren't going in for you yeah you know he's hitting crossbars and not getting that chance like that had to be quite a big hit for him to see what he dealt with like you know I speak of it but the hit that he took to get injured through that that's another knock in his season it was really good to see him finally find a rhythm because you could start to see the things that you wanted him to develop in the AHL last year were just being more aggressive on the defensive zone, being able to challenge guys at the blue line because you don't have size. You have to play with your stick in a similar way that Quinn Hughes took a huge jump this past year and being able to defend with you know positioning and using an active stick. That's what Jack Rathbone did in the AHL when he finally found a rhythm. Before, it felt like he was trying to work through things in the defensive zone, but when he found that rhythm, was playing consistently, finally, I mean,
1: think about the, the time that this guy has had. On the ice, playing in hockey games. Very few, Very little. Very, well, and I mean, especially since turning pro. Yeah. You know, the last two years, his his development's been so up and down that you wonder if he might be due for that season that guys often have before they become everyday players. Yes. Where you sort of get the 40 games in the AHL and then come up for good, like Chris Tanev did. Um, you know, it was a shorter stint for Troy Stetcher. It was just two games. But, you know, there's sort of often Ben Hutton had eight, 10 games, something like that. It's often like you'll get a guy who impresses at camp, but they don't quite make the team. And give them some time, they'll make it, and then they won't go back down. That's sort of the important step you want to go through. Rathbone's too good a skater with too much of an offensive toolkit to not play a lot of games at the NHL level. But figuring out, the, you know, you brought up Quinn Hughes as a comp, and it's a good one. But the difference is, is that Hughes had a, a different type of awareness of the defensive Side of the game than Rathbone does at this stage. Obviously, we're not comparing him to Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes is, no. uh, you know, a franchise defenseman. But um, you know, there is still work to be done. I, I agree with you. I think reps are key. Are-, are Is there anyone else? Like, is there anyone else? I don't think there is who's like, going to make.
0: S- people will ask about Klimovich, and I'm sorry, like Klimovich is not coming to the he's NHL next year. He's a project. He uh, he's eight. He played like you said. It was really impressive to see what he did as an 18 year old in the AHL. He is very far away. Raw. And the biggest thing is consistency and skating. Him. Yeah, skating, like, when he's fully committed in skating, he skates hard. Like, I remember that the back check that he had where he absolutely laid out a player uh, earlier this season. But to me, it's like, it's not even just a skate. Like, watching him handle the puck, shoot the puck, these things aren't right now locked in consistently at a pro level. Like, even shooting the puck, I think of what a lot of people think are really high in his game. You watch how many times he fans on a shot, how many times he misses the net, how many times he just doesn't get the right snap off of a stick when he's actually in-game action. Those are the parts of this game that need to get consistent before we even start to have the conversation about him being a call-up option for the Canucks.
1: And let's not forget the maturity. One of the re- one of the red flags that surrounded him in his draft year was the habit of being a guy who can get taken out of their game by past players. A guy who takes penalties that can be undisciplined because he's angry. Um, a guy who can be frustrated. One of the last things we saw from him this season in that four nothing defeat to Winnipeg at the end of the year, was he gets burned on that entry, breaks his stick, sort of has that tantrum. We never saw him play again. I think that's a big reason why he didn't play in the playoffs. No kidding. It was those last two
0: games. It wasn't 100%. just it was those two games against Winnipeg you're getting blown out like 8 to 1 in one of the games and getting blown out in the final game of the year. You saw a lot of frustration there and I do think that's part of the decision that was made by Ryan Johnson and Trent Call who made this decision together. 100%. That Daniil Klimvich wasn't ready for well, playoff esp- action,
1: especially when that's something that, you know, he does need to work on. He Look, he's 18. Uh, a lot of people figure things out in their early 20s, uh, myself included. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you'll you give him time. At the end of the day, there's a lot of people in the industry that think that Klimovic is a really fascinating prospect. Yeah. A, a type of guy that other teams would be interested in having the option to sort of cash out on or like have <laughs> the, you know, like the, he's a guy with value, but he is a pure lottery ticket. He's, he's a fairly... Fairly long way away yeah. from paying off on his enormous potential if he can put it together. If you sent the videos of him taking one timers and warm up to a
0: lot of teams, they'd be like, "Wow, we love the look of this kid." But um, unfortunately, warm up slap shots that you're taking with one timers with Carson Folk before the game starts, those don't translate exactly to what you can produce at the HL level.
1: So let's go through really quickly because we got to go to break.
0: Yeah, but I'm um, not as good at this whole break thing as Jamie is. That's, no, no, has been is. the struggle here. No, one is.
1: <laughs> Yoni, defenseman wise, Yoni Yermo. I don't think the club's going to sign him this summer. He's a year away from joining the AHL. Yeah. He 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 needs to keep going. Jonathan Myrenberg I think is the Canucks' The the sort of apple of the new management group's eye among their group of kind of depth defense prospects. A lot of
0: SHL games for a, for a teenager this year. from Yeah,
1: Airenberg. still a year away from even being signed. Truscott going back to Michigan. Uh, Hugo Gabrielson. should expect to see Truscott on a top pairing though with Luke Hughes. Yep. He played with Luke Hughes last year, and then they obviously lost Blankenberg and Owen Power, who okay. was their top pairing. Industry didn't love his season last year, despite you know some of some of how he played. Uh, he obviously got the U twenty invite, which is yep. uh, which is a nice. Um, feather in his cap but I don't think he's progressed the way that a lot of people in the industry who thought he was really good value when the Canucks drafted him uh had perhaps hoped I think he's really got to work on the skating still and the decision making that's that's the quick scouting report I get from my Michigan sources <laughs> um and then Victor Person had a decent season in the in the uh, WHL I think he'll be back in the dub right or no, no, he'll, he's, he'll turning overage pro? after this. Turn, I know he
0: has options in Sweden, but it could be interesting to see if Sorry, he he'll overage in the dub. That's, yes. what, I'm,
1: that's what I yep. was assuming. And then Hugo Gabrielsson sort of the other guy. Again, all of these guys are a long way away. One guy to watch for, I think, is Devontae Stevens. I'd expect the Canucks to re-sign him based on how often they played him in matchup role. Uh, left they defenseman still pretty raw, still pretty raw. Twenty seven, but played he's the still right pretty side raw as well. So yeah. it's really good
0: to see he played some forward this year when it was needed. It, it, Devontae Stevens had a great year out there, uh, yeah. in Abbotsford.
1: And then, and then, you know, forward prospects. To be totally honest, not a ton else to write home about. Uh, Carol plashick's going to be a guy who you know they really need to take a step or two, particularly because of this organization's need for speed in all aspects. I'm really curious to see how he looks at dev camp. Let's go to break. All right, you got it. He couldn't take a step this last year because that injury he
0: took. Lucas right. Forsell. Watch him this year. Good really point, good, good performance point. in the SHL. 30 games in the SHL as an 18-year-old kid. Two more years in the SHL. developing. Camp super young training. 18-year-old. Yeah. 10, 10 days away from being a draft pick in this year's draft. So, yeah. yes. All right. Let's get to break. You got me going here with the prospects, Sorry, Uh On the other side, we're going to get to a lot of the Ask Us Anything questions that come in. Maybe a little Arby's talk on the other side, Trance. We'll see what happens. This is the Canucks Hour here on the home of the Canucks. Sportsnet
1: 650. Pass the pasta salad.
0: Welcome back to the Canucks Hour here on SportsNet 650. Thomas Durant and Chris Faber here filling in for Jamie Dodd. I believe he's back tomorrow. Feeling a little bit better, which is good news. Good to hear. Good Jamie to hear. Dodd. Uh, Canucks Hour is brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Being a champion takes foresight. Build your company to win for years to come with fuel-efficient and reliable Kubota, skid steers, excavators, and loaders from Avenue Machinery, Avenue Machinery.ca. Some exciting playoff action we're going to see as well, Drance, as the, uh, the Colorado Avalanche and, and St. Louis Blues end up moving into a game six at this point. I know we were calling for a, an Avalanche win. I'll tell you, after that McKinnon goal, I thought uh, I thought it was over. I was getting ready to place a bet, playnow.com, for the game. Luckily, I didn't. Uh, because what, you were going to bet the under? Well, no, I was just taking, I'm a simple better. I like to. I like to. You would have taken that. the money line. I'm a parlay type of guy. I add a couple of picks in, throw a couple other sports in there, and hope for the best.
1: It's it's not working out well for me. No, to say that. No, don't. Parlays are parlays are, are death. And when and when you're betting hockey, I think you want to take the under mm. if you think the team that's leading is going to hold on. Okay. Because it's like when you know it's like eight point five usually when it's a seven, so it's like you need two goals. So what you're betting on is you, they add the empty netter. Okay. You see what I'm saying? But get the ding ready cuz Thomas Drance doesn't bet on hockey. I do not bet on hockey. You'd be no. unprofessional.
0: But if you do want to place a well, bet no, on hockey, it would be
1: unethical. I sometimes report Canucks Nuggets that move the line true. and I want I want all our listeners to know and everyone who follows me and everyone who subscribes to the Athletic to know that my focus when I'm at the rink is not being like, "Oh, <laughs> that player just left the rink injured." Yeah. I'm going to quickly place a bet. And then move the line when I make it public. You know, like, I don't want there to be any doubt that I'm just doing my job. Yeah. That's that's what it comes down to. It's an ethical quandary. I don't ever want to think about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen you
0: follow some basketball pretty close at the rink, though.
1: Hmm? Different story with basketball when you're at the rink. fall well, i follow, I'll follow <laughs> basketball for sure.
0: Uh, you can bet on hockey like never before with Play Now Sports, your local BC sports book. Check them
1: out. Uh, Play Now. Our sports. Let's Our uh, good friends at Play Now.
0: Great friends over there at Play Now.
1: Um... Let's dive into some of Beware these. Beware that Flames Oilers over, by the way. 6.5. <laughs> that's a pretty high number. Do you want to get into some of the Ask Us Anythings? I know that people can contribute yeah, yeah. right Let's now on Let's the Dunbar it.
0: Lumber text line. 650-650 is where you can hit us up there. Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Abuse in Vancouver or the best option online at DunbarLumber.com. The best website for lumber in the lower mainland, Drance. Uh, quite a few questions in the 650 uh, text inbox right now that I want to just kind of get into. Lots of it about Archer Laws. I'm curious what your thoughts are. I spend a lot of my time on a podcast with a guy who's obsessed with him, and I've I've thought this and I've had this thought about him since we saw an 18 year old freshly drafted kid at Vancouver Canucks training camp in Victoria. That there's something about the look of this kid where he's got that real good size that projects to be a guy who could potentially get to the NHL at some level with the right coaching. And I think that it was a strange year for him last year, but getting the opportunity to get starts in the ECHL next year is going to be really interesting to see the goaltending position play out in Abbotsford for me.
1: Very, very interested to see how that plays out too, but more because I'm curious to see how things unfold with Mike DiPietro this summer, particularly after the club mangled uh, his development during the pandemic. So, uh, you know, do they return with both? Uh, Silovs is pretty clearly the apple uh, of Ian Clark's eye. Yep. And I wonder if they might try and find a third guy who can come up and play games. Because these days, you need a third guy. You don't want to throw Arthur Silovs into opportunities that he's not ready for, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if when he makes his first NHL start, you want it to be prescribed and on your own terms. And because he's, you know, a 920 guy who's played 50 games in the A, and he hasn't played a lot of hockey either over the course of the last two years. So if you're going to commit to the Silov's future, right, the Silovian Sy- the future. Um, I like it. You know, I think you need to make sure that he's playing 30, 40 games for you next year. But you also need to make sure, particularly if you want to make the playoffs, that you've got Spencer Martin Light, you know, a Scott Wedgwood type. Although Scott Wedgwood kind of did Spencer Martin things this year, um, <laughs> ready to go, waiting in the wings, and those players are not easy to find these days. I, there's a lot of good goalies, but increasingly they're more and more expensive. <laughs> like it's incredible how expensive goaltenders are, and and I think the experience that teams had this year, where everyone got down to their third goaltender, basically, right? So, some teams use six. Like you're going to see an increased demand, I think, for those guys. Like one way contracts are going to be the norm for for third goaltenders, which hasn't always been the case. They've usually been like, you know, two-way deal with a 300 k salary. Like, you're going to see that inflate, I, I would suspect, on the open market this season. That would be the route that I expect the Canucks to take is, is to bring in at least another veteran guy and, and sort through it. Um, you know, and, and that may that may end up uh, including a, a fresh start for Mike DiPietro elsewhere. I'm not really sure exactly how that, I'm not projecting or reporting anything. I, I just I'm side-eyeing that situation as one to monitor. Keep your, keep your um, finger on the pulse of as the Canucks go through this offseason.
0: Yeah, because it's been a, a wild few years uh, to think about the position that Mikey DiPietro has been put in. I think, you know, in a big point from the organization. It's been a really tough spot that he's been put into, I think, for these past few years. Let's let's get to some of the ones on Twitter as well. This one is from at sad Canucks fan one, uh, Paperbag Perry. What you can call him on uh, on Twitter uh, Likelihood of acquiring a top 10 pick In a deal for Miller, Garland or Besser We've heard about some of these top 10 picks Potentially being available I think that Miller is likely the name that gets Thrown around when you're talking about a top 10 pick It's going to take more than just a swap Of Miller for the 7th Miller for the 2nd to me I don't think that's a deal that those teams are looking to do.
1: I think there's going to be some other pieces put into. It. Oh, you mean you mean you don't think the Devils would do the second overall pick for Miller. I don't think that they would. No, no. of course not. I was sorry, I thought you meant there's going to have to be other pieces. I was like, "Really?" <laughs> My <laughs> well, goodness. I've got a pretty high value on the Slavkowski? idea that I have
0: for a trade for uh for JT Miller, but I don't think it's adding to a guy like Slavkovsky to the order. No. I mean, no. and even the seven, like the was it the the Senators have kind of floated
1: around that, that pick could be in play. Well, they need to take a step the Senators desperately need to take a step at this point. Like it's been enough time frittering around, and they're
0: depth strong. Like to add a top end player like JT Miller would be a big step in the right direction for how this team
1: grows. And they're about to have to pay Norris, yeah, right. Like they, they've locked up Batherson, they've locked up Kachuk, they've done some good things in terms of positioning themselves. But if Formington breaks out, he's going to be expensive, and I think he's ready to to do exactly that. Canucks got a taste of it late in the season. Um, you know, jo- excuse me, Josh Norris scores a lot on the power play. Like, yeah. Excellent. He's going to he's gonna get pricey fast. So, you know, the time is now if you're the Senators to make um, their version of the Canucks JT Miller trade in tw- 2019, basically. Um, could that include JT Miller himself? I don't know. I don't think so. But uh, we'll see. I mean, that would be a very good target for the Canucks considering their need. Like, here's the thing about the Canucks that you have to keep in mind. Look through the teams that are best or that you're most frightened of. When you when you watch the Stanley Cup playoffs right now, is the Lightning have the goalie right? But they also have Hedman, Point, Stamkos, um, you know, and Kucherov, right? They have four, no doubt, elite players plus the elite goaltender. Even even if you put your rose colored glasses on, right, and say and imagine that Pedersen, Hughes hit their absolute maximum potential, J.T. Miller. Okay, and Demco. So what does that mean? In a comparison with the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Canucks are still an elite piece away from being at that level. Yeah. Plus, JT Miller would have to maintain elite form year after year, which he's which he hasn't done. He's had two elite seasons in Vancouver, but he's also had a season where he was fine, right? Where he was a, a top line player, but like a lower end top line player. Um and and you'd need, you know, Hughes and Pedersen to maximize. And that gets you sort of into the conversation. Now, any comparison with Tampa Bay is a good one. But same same sort of story with Colorado. Maybe you don't think their goalie's elite, but you certainly think Macar is, You certainly think McKinnon is. You certainly know that Kadri is at the very least analogous to JT Miller. Plus you've got Miko Rantanen. Plus you've got, you know, Landeskog, Devon Taves. I mean, this team still needs elite talent too. So targeting a deal... With a high probability, or at least the highest possible probability, of returning an elite piece, you know, if you if you trade for X organization's favorite right-handed pros, right right-handed defense prospect, think about all the drooling in this market over Braden Schneider in the lead up <laughs> to the like. Braden Schneider is not going to be an elite player; he's a really nice, big, tough, authoritative right-handed defenseman. But the potential that you'd get out of a top ten pick is higher than that. And yeah, this organization needs that too. In yep. addition to uh, you know a rebuilt blue line and, and more scoring depth and yeah, toughness.
0: Absolutely. And to see that, that's going to be interesting to see how the draft plays out with what you're doing with your picks as well. How does that change and that point of view of looking at it from the organization of needing so much? Does that change what you do with the 15th overall pick? Is it really about just getting the best player available or the most beneficial thing for your franchise available that you can do with that 15th pick? And to me, it's adding
1: more assets. Yeah, It's trading down. Yeah. No question.
0: Quickly. Uh, just want to bring it up as well, because you know, brought up the name Brock Besser. Um, we saw the post from his mom today. Uh, it's going to be a tough situation here for Brock's dad, Duke. Um, the family's obviously dealt through a ton of horrible moments that they've had to deal with over the past few years. I personally have um, been in a situation to watch my grandpa pass from dementia-related things, and I remember being there the day that we knew that it was going to be over, um, and it was really hard. It was really hard to, to deal with. Um, it was good to have the family all there together to support each other. dementia is horrible. I've seen firsthand what it does to somebody. Um, And, yeah, they, you know, Lori asked for prayers from everyone today, and I know that we want to give our condolences, send our love, and just send our prayers that way as well for for what they're going through.
1: Canucks Nation is obviously with... Uh, the Bessers today, and and our our thoughts and our our deepest condolences and best wishes go out to the family.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I think we've seen that online today, just to see what Canucks fans yeah, the have been, like, reacting of, to it. Yeah, uh, and I thank somebody in the in the six fifty six
1: fifty text line for bringing that up
0: as well. As yeah. you brought up the name. Well, of it's,
1: the, it's the best. Um, that's the best of what a fan base yeah. is. You know, is is those moments when. People come together, and it's just a, an outpouring of love and support, as opposed to our usual, um, you know, arguments and 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 whatnot. But it's about, on Twitter. <laughs> well, it's just it's just a reminder that this is a community too, and and in yeah. and in moments like this, um, you know that that show of that unanimous show of love and support for the Bessers, it's it's nice to see. Yeah, and absolutely. we and we hope offers them some sort of comfort.
0: Yeah, and. It's good to hear that the family's all able to come together in the last few days that's massively important.
1: Uh this is the Canucks Hour here on
0: SportsNet 650. My name is Chris Faber filling in for Jamie Dodd. The guy cackling in the background is Thomas
1: Drantz. I'm not cackling. Occ- occasionally. Yeah, you you let a cackle. Not, not in the last 5 minutes. No, that's true. All right. So sorry. Give good that. let's get go to the next one. All right. Next one here. Let's uh <laughs> let's
0: dive into a few more just some interesting ones I thought that I saw on Twitter. Uh let's get to this one from Reese because I know we talked a lot about the playoff hockey yesterday and we were kind of expecting to see the Colorado Avalanche Advance. How much fun would this be for hockey fans, for the NHL, really for everyone? Like I feel like this is the type of matchup that draws in people that aren't even like hardcore hockey fans. You have to tune in and watch Connor McDavid play against Nathan McKinnon and watch those two do the end to end rushes like we saw McKinnon do last night. See what McDavid has done It's, it's the McMatchup like game.
1: It's the McMatchup. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's can't it's can't McMiss. All right. <laughs> There's the cackle. Um yeah. is it McHappy no. Days? Yeah, it's McHappy Days for sure. It's the McHappy (laughs)
0: Days-McMatchup. Let's get to another one here from Leo Reyes. Uh, Best prospect or best right D prospect if trading JT Miller to another team? You brought up a Braden Schneider, for example. Do you have any other targets around the league? Because I know I've got a few,
1: including my cousin.
0: Uh, Brock Faber. Brock Faber, great example.
1: Yeah. um, I mean, definitely LA is the team you want to deal with. Yep. No question about that. Uh, I like grounds a lot. Um, I I like Walker a lot especially if you get the medicals and and are confident that he's able to bounce back. Um, But he's not really a prospect. He's more of an established NHL player. Um, You know, look, it's really hard to get teams to part with their right-handed defense prospects. Like, teams hold on to those guys. And in terms of a guy high-end enough, you know, I, I almost wonder if you're best off prioritizing draft picks as opposed to getting the right guy. But... I don't think that the team is going to do that. Like, I think they, I think in a world where a JT Miller trade happens, I think the team needs to get a, a signature piece back. I, I just think that's how they view it. So, you know, I, I mean, I like, I like the guys we mentioned. The 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 Kings have three guys I like, three, four guys I like. Uh, the Rangers certainly have a guy I like a lot. Um, I don't know. Who else do you got? I mean, Drew Hellison was a guy that I liked, but he was traded at
0: the yeah, time already. So, yeah, gone. I, I mean, you could look, anaheim's direction potentially if they're looking to add a jt miller i think there's some interesting pieces with anaheim on their not so high quality right d prospects but to look at that 23rd overall pick your pick like is there a swap there that would be a huge deal to see the 15th yeah. go for the 23rd jt miller be involved you get a big right d prospect back from anaheim i know you don't want to trade in division no, you can't worry about it yeah i think you can't at that worry point, about it you just can. need
1: to you just need to get as much talent and as much value into this organization as you can in my yeah. view um, I don't know, like, who who else who else registers for you? Like, I, I do agree. I think the
0: best trade partner is L.A. Like, you have so many options, and I think, depending on how they value those right D prospects, maybe you can kind of, you know, grow some, some higher-end potential from some of those players. But to me, with this deal, like, the biggest thing for me this Canucks offseason, and I think this is going to be a thing that's going to improve the team massively, is you need to find that partner for Quinn Hughes. I don't think you just need to find one guy. I think you need to find two options this offseason. You need to bring in two right D prospects who you hope in four years could be options to play with Quinn Hughes. It's not just about bringing one guy in. It's not about the Braden Schneider to me. It's about having guys that fit that mold who could play with Quinn Hughes. Because Quinn Hughes just played a full season with Luke Shen. A guy who was a 7th, 8th defenseman on obviously a Stanley Cup winning team. But that's what he is. He's a 7th, 8th defenseman on a team that wins the Stanley Cup. You want to be a team that wins the Stanley Cup. You want to play with your best defenseman being with a guy who helps his game get better. Quinn Hughes helped himself a lot this year at becoming a better defender. Better everything, it felt like with Quinn Hughes this year. If he develops his shot even more this offseason, like he's talked about, and I know that this is something you've talked about quite a bit on this show, is like when Quinn Hughes says he's gonna work on something in the offseason, that's what you yeah, believe meets. him. Yes. Believe him. <laughs> Absolutely. I just that's what what I look at. The biggest thing the Canucks should do this offseason in my eyes is two right D prospects need to come into the system. Whether it be from the draft, whether it be from trade, you need more than one option. Because you can't bank everything on Braden Schneider being that guy. You can't bank everything on Brock Faber, no matter how good he is, being that guy to play with Quinn Hughes down the road. You need to have multiple options. And right now the Canucks have
1: zero options in I, their system to play with Quinn Hughes. I roughly agree with you, except that I would say if you're a lefty you can play the right side, fine. Just get sure. yeah. like at the end of the day, this organization. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a list of names. These are players who were both acquired by the Vancouver Canucks and developed in the Canucks system to become top four defensemen. Or sorry, I'm not gonna even go with that high a bar. Everyday defensemen in the NHL. So and sorry, and I'm just gonna go with drafted, not not acquired as amateurs, drafted, just drafted. Kevin Bieksa. Yeah. Okay. Alex Edler. Um. So we're not counting Troy Stetcher. We'll count Ben Hutton. Um, Quinn Hughes, obviously, but that was a top 10 pick. Um, like, I think there's two more guys who's, who I'm forgetting. I think Stetcher's the other one if you count, if you expand it beyond the yep. draft. And there's one more guy. And, um, and I just can think it's Jack Rathman down the road. No, 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 no no no, there? no, no, no. There's, there's, there one guy, there's one guy earlier. I just I can't remember his name. Point is is the Canucks have drafted and developed in, over the last 22 years like enough defenders to, to dress in your opening night lineup, but not enough to... Matthias Olin comes in on the inbox here. No, too, young, too old. Okay. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm going since 2000. I'll, I'll find it. But right. the, the fact is is that the Canucks have drafted enough, drafted and developed enough defensemen, everyday defensemen in the NHL in the last 22 years to start on their opening night lineup, but not enough to like take on an extended East Coast road trip. And that's a huge problem. Like, if there's one thing that this organization needs to fix immediately, um, it's the ability to identify talent on the blue line. The other guy is Chris Tanev. So, if you're going to compete, you need to start churning out a regular sort of reliable source of NHL quality defenders i don't care if they're right-handed i don't care if they're left-handed i don't care if they're ambidextrous just get some talent into this organization on the blue line or you're never or you're never going anywhere period
0: i think that's a big that needs to be a target after watching them strike out at a draft with zero defense been drafted that has to be a target this offseason and i think going into this draft moving that first round pick makes a lot of sense in that way as well all right Drantz, it's been fun couple days here with you Good
1: to wrap up. Lots thanks, of prospects. Thanks talk. for contributing, man. Well, <laughs> you gotta lean into to what you're given. I, I love hearing you talk about prospects. You put in the work. Uh, you watch a ton of video, you spent a ton of time at Abbots- down in Abbotsford watching those players, building relationships. It's fun to watch you work, it's fun to do a show with you, my friend. Absolutely. Another fun thing to do Nat Bailey Stadium. Get down there and watch the season. Vancouver
0: Canadians are back at the Nat for tickets or info. Visit VancouverCanadians.com. See you at the Nat. They were down twelve nothing last night, Drance. Almost came all the way back. Twelve eight ends up being the loss, but they're down. Always Gilbert, entertaining girl. at the net. Absolutely is. So make sure you go check that out. Uh, Vancouver Canadians or canadiansbaseball.com for more information and tickets. That wraps it up for us here at the Canucks Hour. For Thomas Durant, my name is Chris Favor, and producer Eddie Gregory. This has been the Canucks Hour on Sportsnet six fifty.